Connor relaxed and smiling. Oh! oh slapped him! Like I don't like you because you're dangerous. I don't give a fuck what you say, motherfucker. Yes! He shot! He yes! just got him! Maverick, we're hit, we're hit again! Damn it, Maverick! I'm on my way. Three, two, one. my wingman anytime this is the believe in mma mavericks podcast featuring your hosts mike straka and ike feldman welcome to mavericks i'm mike straka along with my co-host ike feldman we got a great packed show we got michael stetz mma journalist extraordinaire we've got a comedian from brooklyn luca palanca who by the way is tammy pescatelli's husband and we've got mad lad from elitefantasy.com uh, a guy who his knowledge in MMA is as big as his biceps, and if you see, and if you've seen this guy, he's got some pretty big biceps. What's going on, Ike? How you been? Oh man, yeah, that was a great drop in there. Yeah, don't forget about the amazing co-main event from UFC 248 and the awful and boring main event of UFC 248. Ugh, two sides of the coin. Well, of course, the co-main event was an amazing fight. I mean, one of the best. What people are saying is the best female fight of all time in mixed martial arts. Uh, and then, you know, the main event was just very lackluster. And, and like I said last week, it, it depends on which Romero shows up. And that was, uh, that was the one that I was afraid was going to show up. Uh, it's a cat and mouse game, but if you, you know, you're both, both of the guys are kind of running away. It didn't really look like a, a main event fight, man. It certainly wasn't a championship fight that I look forward to. No. And the, the main point that one of our guests uh, makes and obviously, we, we did the interviews first before we record this. But the main point that Michael Stutz make, which I agree, Adesanya didn't have to take the Romero fight, man. It, people are getting uh, on him for point fighting and staying in range. But it's like he could have just waited for Costa, just like cashed in, not take any damage at all. He took the chance in the gamble facing one of the most scared, the boogeyman of the 185-pound division. This is now getting comparisons of UFC 209's Woodley versus Thompson. Damian Maya versus Anderson Silva. I don't really blame Adesanya. Yeah, it takes two to tango, but Romero's got to go for it, man. He got he got a, the the golden ticket to get another title opportunity. So all the blame or most of the blame should go to Romero. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And you know, and then he's just bizarre in in every way. Even his post fight interviews were bizarre. Uh, obviously, the way he started a fight, just covering up was bizarre. Uh, I I do like the guy. It's just. Uh, it's too much bizarre. And I, you know, somebody on Twitter wrote, you know, MMA is, is attracts crazy. Like, like nobody else does. It's, and it really does. I agree with that, man. And the, looking at the Coleman that who saw that coming? I thought it'd be, I thought maybe somebody would get finished. I thought maybe Joanna was resting on her laurels and being a six times or five time champion, one of the greatest of all time. She's got implants. Uh, she's a famous in Poland, uh, She's she's a superstar. She could have kind of sat back on her winning, but no, dude, she went after it. She gets punched in the head and it blows up. She keeps coming forward. She gets punched in the head again from uh, Zhang's power. I don't think people should under underrate that. And Joanna's got now this hematoma hanging over the top of her head. I didn't know what the hell a Klingon was until I Googled it. Yeah, the Star Trek, the the guy who's I guess he's like a tan alien with the the huge forehead. That's a great comparison. But dude, that co-main event did not help the main event because it was just a total letdown once the uh about a after the 25 minutes of the co-main event 
you know, and I, I'm going to beat this like a dead horse this whole show. But of course, I, I'm in a room filled with guys that I was hyping up these fights for. First of all, they're, they're not MMA fans. I'm trying to convert them to be MMA fans. And then right. they, they, they're not used to watching women fight. And then, of course, Joanna looks like a Klingon and they can't really handle that. They can't handle seeing a woman get beat up like that. And then the main event where I'm like, well, just wait till the main event happens. And that fight was just, as we all know, a complete dud. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting dirty looks from 12 guys. Or they're all collecting their booze and saying, see you later, Mike. <laughs> like, I'm like, hey, usually you guys leave it here. Like, nope, we're taking our vodka. We're taking our beer with us. <laughs> they were not They were not happy with me. <laughs> Dude, that puts you in a tough spot. I, I know I, I don't remember ordering it and having a bunch of people around me, but I remember bringing or dragging my friends to the bar for like, a big time fight and then all of a sudden it's just a total letdown it, it is a bad feeling because you're like come on motherfuckers throw a punch throw a kick somebody create action right and you're maybe hyping up like if yoel's leaping in you're like whoa you're like trying to hype up every movement but that was a total letdown i literally text my friend i go dude the co-main was awesome uh, i'm sorry you missed that he's like i'm heading out to the bar for the main event i go you're not gonna want to miss this i sold him on all the adesanya facts all the romero facts and then he goes huh yeah. Was, uh, at least I got a good IPA to drink. I go, I'm sorry about that, brother. <laughs> well, hopefully uh, our, our guests are going light, to light up uh, our, our MMA experience today. That's right, brother. We're locked and loaded. Throw it to them. Let's go. Let's get the party started. All right, let's, let's open it up with Michael Stetz. This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast. Welcome to MMA Mavericks. I'm Mike Strzok along with my co-host, Ike Feld, at Ike Degon on Twitter. And we're being joined now by MMA journalist extraordinaire and a good friend of ours, Michael Stetz. What's up, Stetz? What's happening, Shaka? What's happening, Ike? Wait, dude, well, what, what are you doing I'm these days? Brother. I mean, I, you're, I, I follow your Twitter account, and you're, you're doing football, you're doing baseball, you're doing MMA, you're doing glory kickboxing. What, what, what are you focused on these days? He's focused on Matt Stafford's contract. <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the place. I mean, I, I, I've kind of been out of the game MMA-wise because uh, – Sirius XM let me go in January of 19, but I've been, I've been working at WJR uh, in Detroit since like 2014. I did some behind the scenes stuff to start, but once we, once we got the rights to the Lions in 2016, then I started doing some Lions coverage for the station. You know, I do some reports in the newscast. So I did a Lions podcast. Um, I did some articles on the, the station website. So I kind of just been, multitasking like a utility infielder and now i just launched my well i relaunched i kind of started it last year and then i didn't have time to kind of really go forward with it but my own podcast which is separate from everything the michael stead show so i just launched that uh this week and you can go subscribe to it on itunes or wherever you get your uh podcast and tell son and join me this week so it's a good episode nice brother that's a good way to kick it off with the uh uh, the American gangster, man. Did he drop any tidbits or was he being just uh, typical Chael, just rattling off uh, beautiful takes and whatnot, dude? I'm really proud of where Chael's taking his career, man, from calling out Anderson Silva now to doing a show with Tawani and doing his own YouTube channel and uh, joining the Michael Stetz podcast. Uh, can you give us a, a, some, uh, a tease to that interview? Yeah, Chael, um, I mean, Chael's always great. He, and, and the thing I like is... is our conversation, we talked, uh, obviously, the, the main stuff about uh, Adesanya and Romero from 248, and he's he's covering Bellator uh, this week in Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, so we touched on the, the Pitbull-Provio main event, and we, we were talking about 
everything. I mean, we, we, we got into episodes of the Cobra Kai show, that, that new goofy show on Netflix that my yeah, wife had yeah. me watching, uh, Love, Love is Blind. So, I mean, we, it was, uh, we were talking about, you know, travel pet peeves and the food at Mohegan Sun. So we, we got into a lot of fun uh, conversation. It's, it's a fun chat and uh, not just MMA related. We were talking about real life stuff and it was, it was a good chat. Chell always brings it. Hey Stets, what did you think of that main event at 248? It was, it was one of the more bizarre main events and it, it was reminiscent. I don't want to say note for note, but very reminiscent of Damian Maya and Anderson Silva back in Abu Dhabi, which I, I think was like 2009 or 2010, if I remember correctly. And I yeah, know that, that the, haters, the haters come out and say, Hey, you know, uh, Izzy's not that good and blah, blah. And first, first, I don't see anyone else lining up to take on Yo Romero first. And then Great second, point. Izzy's got the strap. Last time I checked, when you have the strap, your opponent's got to come take it. And I do not think Romero tried to go take the strap. And that's not on Izzy. <laughs> he has the belt. What's he going to do, get into a firefight to appease the fans? That's not going to happen. I think he, he, took, he took what was readily available. And that ended up being leg kicks because Romero, credit to him, had great defense up top. So he did what he had to do to win the fight, survive in advance. That's your job as a champion to keep that strap at all costs. And that's what he did. I mean, that, that's basically what John Jones said uh, last time he defended his belt. He wasn't happy with his performance, but it's all about winning and advancing and moving on to the next. Now, it goes back to what we, Ike and I talked about last week. That's, you know, I said it all. I, I actually liked Romero in this fight, but I said it all depends on which Romero shows up because sometimes he's game and sometimes he's playing games. And I think what we saw was him playing a game. And I agree 100 percent. It did remind me of uh, Silva versus Maya, even Silva versus Tavis Latis back at UFC 97. I mean, those were those were two yeah. fights where they played a cat and mouse game. And I think that's what was going on here. And it was frustrating as a fan to watch. I mean, it was it, it's supremely frustrating when you pay $60 to watch something and you're all psyched up and you get friends in, in the room and, and friends who don't watch MMA regularly. And you keep telling them, wait till you see these two guys go. And then you, you sit there. <laughs> and they're all looking at you like, Straka, you're, you're out of your mind, man. You call this fighting? This is embarrassing. And then you're sitting there <laughs> That's true. and like you're, giving, yeah. you're giving the pay-per-view money back. You're like, here, take your 20 back, take your 20 back, take your 20 back. I feel bad for, for dragging you guys yeah. out here. If I had a dollar for every time I told my boys back home to tune into a fight and it ended up being totally a, a, a crappy fight. This I'd, is I'd the fight. This every is the time. fight, guys. You guys got to watch this one. <laughs> yeah. And then it's terrible. They're like – you wanted us to watch this. That that's isn't just it always it the way it goes. And I, I don't. Yeah, every time. And I I, I don't think it helped either that uh, Zhang Weili and Yuan uh, <laughs> Yongjie just blew the roof off right before. I mean, that's like following. That's like being a a run of the mill working comedian, and you have to follow Jerry Seinfeld, who just killed yeah. the room. You know, like you have no chance. Like, oh, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. like yeah, everybody's already out of their seats they're clapping they they got a buzz going the blood's flowing through their veins and then all of a sudden the, the immediate drop off the cliff oh man i i can't wait to hear how rogan defends this because he 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 likes to represent the purest in his mind he defended ufc 209 with steven wonderboy thompson and woodley saying it was just a high-level chess match. If anybody made a wrong move, they'd be knocked out. Okay, same thing with this fight that we saw with Yoel and Adesanya. But, man, 
at some point, Yoel's got to be hungry. At some point, Steven Thompson's got to be hungry or Damon Amaya. They got to do something risky, throw a leg kick, throw a, a spinning tornado kick. They got to do something to chase for it. So I think people are just missing the fact of what you said in uh, one of your early takes was that Adesanya didn't have to take this fight, man. Yeah, he didn't have to take the fight. And why does he have to fight at risk to appease a, a half-drunken crowd? <laughs> it's, it's, it's beyond me. And, and, and you know, I, I th- it's crazy for Romero, too, because this is his third loss in a row. He's, he's never going to sniff a title shot. So you would think you got to eventually put all your chips in the middle of the table and, and try to take the fight. And not only did, did he fight really odd and conservative, he doesn't wrestle. He's one of the most decorated wrestlers in, in all of MMA. Nailed it. And he just doesn't – he just puts it on the shelf and doesn't use it. It's, it's maddening to watch because he's just elite and does not use it. Well, another thing that I got from this – from 248 was, of course, more lay people the next morning texting me, did you see uh, the woman's fight last night? And I, and I responded, yeah, what an incredible fight. And all I heard from the layperson was, it was disgusting. Her head was disgusting. And I, you know, again, it's, it, it's hard to educate fans anymore. You know, and we always keep saying for years, Stets and Ike, oh, we want MMA to go mainstream. We want MMA to go mainstream. Now it's mainstream. We've got to deal with mainstream morons watching the sport and commenting <laughs> and, and saying this, these things. Like, I, I, got, I got texts from my brother-in-law. I got texts from so many people saying, oh, that was disgusting. Did you see her head? She looked like an alien. And I just had to roll my eyes. Yeah. I think it, it is tough. I mean, but there are a lot of dummies. I mean, let's let's be honest. But it it is, and I remember talking to Shannon Knapp about this back when Victor first was kicking in, and 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 I said, listen, at the risk of sounding chauvinistic, Shannon, I I just it it for me it, it and a lot of other guys it it tends to be uncomfortable to see a woman all beat up like that. It's 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 not a normal thing, and you're not trying to discredit them. But it's it's tough to see a chick. Well, you you're you're more used to seeing a guy with a few lumps on his head, but for some reason, uh, you know, you you see a woman with a big swollen head. It it it's a little bit harder for you to to grasp a, a lot of the the layman people. I mean, we're used to it. We've seen all these these wars of people getting banged up, but for the the average layman, it is tough to uh, to grasp. So I I don't want to. I mean, listen, I kill the casual fans as as much as anybody. But with that stuff, I I do understand it at least. You know what I mean? Now uh, switching gears a little to uh, maybe the medical side of this, I'm unfamiliar. I don't know if you guys have any medical years combined between uh, the both of you, but. If that hematobin, we saw the one with Mark Hominick years ago against Jose Aldo or the one uh, this past weekend with Joanna Janjacek's forehead, if somebody was to elbow it or knee it, like, would it just pour blood and deflate like a balloon? Like, that's the only thing I'm scared of with those, uh, those hematobins. Well, what, what a hematoma is, 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 is it's that the blood doesn't have anywhere to exit because there's, there's not a cut. So your, your body reacts where the blood rushes okay. to where – if if you got say you got hit with like a, a bat or a, a you know a piece of glass or something like that, and it doesn't rush out, it it's like stuck there, so it it swells. Um, so it could cut open. Um, I had a hematoma bat when I was a kid. I got hit with a baseball bat. That's why I'm <laughs> I know all this stuff. I had a big egg on my head like Dominic. Um, <laughs> it's uh it's not fun. It certainly hurts. Your skin's all tight and it 
you know, the doctor could have stepped in and stopped it. If it, if it, if it was really bad, the, the doctor certainly could have came in and called it. Um, thankfully he didn't. And thankfully Joanna's jo- okay. But uh, it, it was, it was really, I mean, that's a bad one, man. I, Mark Hominick, I think it was UFC 129, right? Jose Aldo. Yeah. And then uh, there's another one that someone mentioned that I had forgotten about. There's been a few of them throughout the years and they're, they're just, they're gross, man. They're tough to look at. I don't know if you're man or woman, they're tough to look at. Because I, because I feel if that happens in the New York State Athletic Commission, they're going to call the fight. I think you were, you were probably, I would say, 90% correct on that one. And, and just because the New York State is, airs so much on the side of caution because of how badly they botched. Do you remember that Russian boxer back yeah, in? Yeah, that was awful. Yeah, so I think that really has changed the way they, they, they operate more so fearfully than, than usual. Um, but yeah, I think there was a good, if that was New York, I, I think there's a good chance that that could have got stopped in between probably four and five. Well, yeah, New York is rightfully cautious after what happened with that Russian boxer. He, you know, he went to the hospital and died later. That was, or no, he had uh, brain damage, right? Yeah, he just, I think he's just been like, uh, it was a recent story. He's, he's, he's able to speak again somewhat, but clearly not the same guy, but that was, a, that was a really awful. The yeah. whole first, and it wasn't even the, so much the stoppage. It was, it was how they handled medical protocol and getting him to the hospital after that was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I can say about every UFC event that I've been to. There's, there's always paramedics on hand and they're, they're, you know, there's doctors stitching people up in the background. They go to the hospital, you know, regularly. How many times have we been waiting for a main event fighter to come out to the press conference? And uh, Dana White says, oh, well, he's at the hospital, so he ain't coming. So I, you know, I, I applaud the way um, Nevada, California, New Jersey handles, uh, handles a sport. I mean, New Jersey, especially, you know, stats that, you know, a couple of times fights have been called off because they didn't like, you know, the results of maybe uh, uh, an EKG or, or a, a brain scan or a CAT scan before the fight. And uh, in one instance, I remember a fighter uh, discovering he had a, a blood clot in his brain, you know, and, and they called off the fight and he had to go get brain surgery. I mean, it's just amazing stuff from uh, from New Jersey there. Uh, but other yeah, than the yeah, he does. Uh, now, did you think uh, Dan Mergliata did a good job refing? Because obviously we've, we've heard ups and downs about refs these, in, in the last couple of fights. Here, here's what I say about uh, Mergliata. Um, I, I want my referees to be seen and not heard. It, it's, you know, the, the, you want to you wanna do the, the pre-fight instructions and ham it up by all means. But I don't need, I don't need Mergliata lecturing the fighters on fighting like – like the first minute of the fight, okay. You want to you want to yell at them for for being timid? Fine. But it's between the fight's clearly picked up by then. It's between rounds four and five, and you're like, oh, it's a championship round. You got to give these judges like you're not one of their corners. That's a good like, impression, by the way. Ref. <laughs> like, just, just shut up and referee. And then remember, he it was a few fight cards ago. I forgot what fight card it was, but he's. He's he's given instructions after a stoppage. I don't know if it was a stoppage for an eye poke or an illegal strike. And he's like, "Well, you're up on the scorecards, buddy. Like, keep it quiet, man. You're not supposed to be giving these guys strategy." Oh, the Stefan Struve Ben Rothwell, the knee to the balls. No, no, no. That that's that's way ago. This was recent. This was in within the last year. He's he was kind of telling the guy, "Well, if we 
We stopped well, the fight. That now. was December. That was the December card in Washington with uh, Rosenstruck and Overeem on the undercard. I think it was Struve. No, was it? All right, maybe it was. I, I can't remember the fight, but I remember him uh, giving instructions. And I'm watching my TV going, is, is this really happening right now? Like, He's like, if you want to continue, you're up on the scorecard. Yes. Like, oh, that's, no. Yes, okay, so it was it was true, Rafa. Okay. I thought I wasn't sure if it was that one, but I, I was like, you know, you're not supposed to be doing that stuff. You, you, and and the, 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 the best thing I've seen Murdoch do recently is he fell down and did a nice back roll to get back up to his feet. So, you know, he's still, uh, he's still pretty limber. <laughs> Mike loves that. You know, <laughs> he's I, still pretty limber. I have to like back up Murgley out a little bit. I mean, I know that as a referee, he shouldn't do that, but you get to know these guys personally. It's, it's a very small world, the MMA world. And you know, this guys, and when you're out there and you become friends with people, you know, even as a journalist, sometimes I'll interview somebody and then they'll say something completely out of the, the blue, like craziness. And I'll call them up, you know, after the interview, I'm like, do you really want to say that? I'm like, I'm, let me read back what you said. And I, I don't know if you really want to say this. And then they go, really? I said that? I'm like, yeah, you said that. Like, oh, yeah, please don't use that. So like, yeah, for sure. I've done that. And I've done that uh, more than you, more than you know. And I've done that. And I, I've at the risk of my own career. I mean, I've had some very famous fighters say some very, very explosive things that I say, you know what? I'm not a clickbait journalist. And this would get clickbait. This would get a lot. Uh, and I, sure. I call them up and say, listen, do you really, did you, let me understand, let me try to make you understand what you said and what it means. And then they're like, oh, I didn't mean that. Well, that's how it's going to come across. And then they go, well, man, can you not use that? I'm like, yeah, I cannot use that. Um, and, but like I said, I, if I had not done that, I would have had, you know, a million clicks on a freaking video. But yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to kill Murr because I, I do like Murr and I do think he's a good referee 99% of the time. But, you know, I, I think if you slip up, I, I do think you need to be called out for it. And I, I'm not going to crucify him. But to me, and some people didn't have a problem with it. I, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and go crazy and get up on a soapbox and yell and scream. But I just, I'd rather not see that. I'd rather you just, you know, ref the fight. If you think they're timid within the action of the round once it's once the clock's going fine you want to admonish the guys for not being active enough but to give them a little pep pep talk before the i, I don't like it all right stats do me a favor let us know uh where we can follow you uh, what your handles are and what's your next show uh it's on twitter it's at michael underscore stats on instagram it's just at michael stats next show probably i'm probably going to try to drop one one or two a week right now i think looking at probably early next week will be the next one but definitely go uh go up on itunes or spotify wherever else you can get your your podcast it's the michael stett show and listen and subscribe and it's all right well hold on hold on it's march 2020 the the season obviously kicks off in september mike can we get a lions record for 2020 hopefully we speak to you before then but what what's your predictions for the the detroit lions Uh, i mean there's so much that has to go down before then free agency uh the draft and man the fans here you guys realize that the lions fans are they they haven't won a playoff game in detroit since 1991 they're hurting 1991 wow as a giants fan i'm sad about uh not winning a playoff game since (laughs) you know the super bowl in uh in the 2011 so no one wants to hear my complaints out here but i I think the Lions will be hovering around the 500 mark, maybe, 
maybe nine and seven. It depends. But I think they'll be right in that middle of the pack. They play in a really tough division. I don't see them winning the division anytime soon. It's it's too stacked. And they, they have their work cut out for them. But maybe with the seven teams, if, if the collective bargaining agreement goes through and they add a seventh team to the playoffs, maybe maybe they could sneak in as a eight and eight or nine and seven. We'll see. But uh True, true or false, Matt Patricia was the right hire. <sighs> I think it's still, still, <laughs> I think it's still, uh, still up in the air because this is make or break time. So I think Caldwell got pushed out and, and, you know, he had back-to-back winning seasons. They didn't make the playoffs, but Patricia's, he's certainly t- taken his lumps uh, back-to-back losing seasons. They, they, they lost the uh, Stafford for half the year last year. So, you know, he's had like David Blau and Jeff Driscoll playing quarterbacks. So I don't know. I don't think uh, Bill Pelichek will be winning with those guys. So I think that the jury's still out on him. You, you need to give a, a new head coach a little while, but if he doesn't get it done this year, he's probably going to be on the unemployment line. So we'll see. That was the longest true or false question uh, answer to a question ever. <laughs> but uh, Mike, thank you so much for the time, brother. Yeah, thank you guys as well. Uh, pleasure to come on. Uh, congrats on the new show and best of luck with it. Thanks, man. Uh, anytime you want to join us, feel free because uh, you, you, you drop some mad knowledge as always. Love you, brother. You know that. I love you too, brother. All right. Talk to you soon. Later, dude. All right. Take it easy, bro. Michael, Michael Stetz, everybody, uh, at uh, Michael underscore Stetz on Twitter. And, uh, you know, he, he covers a variety of sports and I've known him for many years. He's a, and, and one of the nicest guys in uh, MMA journalism. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I the, the, he's got he makes a lot of good points about refing, for sure. Yeah, I didn't want to. I could feel the snowball effect come. I just wanted uh, to point out the event with the uh, Stefan Struve and the Ben Rothwell event. That's all. I wasn't trying to build momentum, and all of a sudden, it started to pick up against Dan, and I could start to feel the tide change. It's like I love Dan, man. He's he's one of the refs from the old regime with the John McCarthy and uh, who I guess Mark Goddard is. Mark Goddard considered a new age ref. Is uh, Mario Yamasaki would probably be old regime, Dan Mercoliata, John McCarthy. I, I love Dan, man. And it's like, you're right. He, he knows these guys. He, he's a martial arts practitioner himself. Uh, he's just looking at it for, uh, from if he was in that position with Stefan Struve. He got kneed in the ball twice, but he was up two rounds. It's in the third round. Unfortunately, the low percentage thing happened. Ben Rothwell came back and TKO'd Stefan Struve. Looking back, I'm sure... He wasn't happy about it and drew a lot more attention to the fight and a lot more attention to Mergliata. But overall, I mean, I didn't want to sound like uh, I was piling on Mergliata. I'm a big fan of his work. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyhow, I've been in situations where, you know, you're in your it's, it's the next day after a fight and you're in a hotel lobby or you're all going to the airport. And next thing you know, you're, you're standing next to uh, the fighter that you criticized the night before online at, at insecurity. <laughs> That's gotta be awkward. It's awkward, man. It's happened to me a few times, and it's like it's really awkward, and it's it's scary sometimes. I mean, UFC '97. We talked about it earlier when Anderson Silva fought uh, Tavis Lattes, uh, and it was like one of the most boring main events ever. And I questioned Anderson what do you about mean, Damian it. Damian Maya, Damian Maya, right? No, no, no. This was Tavis Lattes. This was in in Montreal. I don't remember that fight. That was boring as well. Oh, it was like another My one day. of these. Hey. Who's that? Luca. Puka Lalanka. Hey, Luca.
Hey, Ike, I just saw a cool movie last night. It's called Panic Room. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, yeah. It's too tense, man. I think I was like 13 years old, wet my jammies when I saw it. Oh, my goodness. What a freak. Jodie Foster, Kristen Stewart, uh, Forrest Whitaker. What a great film. But, man, it got me thinking about home safety. You know what I mean? I know what you mean, brother. Now, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home, right? You can wait weeks for a technician to do a messy install that costs a fortune. Or you could be a UFC fighter. But if you're not a UFC fighter, I think what you should do is go to Simply Safe, the two-time winner of CNET Editor's Choice Award. Oh, I've heard of them. I've heard of them. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. They got outdoor cameras, doorbells, alerts to anyone who's approaching. There's entry, motion, and glass break sensors that, that guard the inside of your house. Uh, you can set up a system all by yourself, and it only takes about 30 minutes, which is freaking awesome if you can believe that. Do they install a panic room? Uh, they don't install a panic room. I mean, they probably do, but it probably costs a little more than what they're offering uh, right now. But uh, what, you, what you do get, though, is an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police in a moment's notice 24-7. And it costs about 50 cents a day. But here's the best part about it. No contracts. Nice. I hate contracts. Besides the Believe Network contract. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I, I think Simply Safe is the way to go. Here's what you got to do. Go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. That's simplysafe.com slash team. This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast. We're uh, joined now by comedian extraordinaire, one of the funniest guys I know, Luca Polanca. Luca, what's up, brother? What's up, Nick Straka? Ah, you know, same old stuff. Um, good, to, good to talk to you, man. How you been? I've been great, man. How about yourself, man? Everything's been good. Oh, everybody's great here. You know, kids are good. Uh, no more wife, but the kids are good. <laughs> well, like, is it a good thing or a bad thing? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm married, so I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, you know, you can't comment. Can't acknowledge that. <laughs> well, no comments. No acknowledge nothing. Well, your wife is a, a very talented woman herself, uh, Tammy Pescatelli, who, who came on the show a couple times with us as well, which is, we're very happy about. But Luca, tell me, what, what was that? Uh, what was that tweet? That tweet this morning? Were you were trying to? You're trying to name movies and 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 uh, switch comedians with them. Well, no, it was something that Tammy, because uh, Tammy has her Way After School special coming out. Yep. Uh, which I directed, by the way. Uh, wow. Uh, thank you. Um, but uh, no, so she did this thing where, you know, Anna Comedian's name to a movie, you know, and it was like, you know, uh, you know, Martin Lawrence of Arabia or Raging, uh, you know, Bill Burr or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, stuff like that. So she's actually the one that did it. And then this morning I just came up with another one and, you know, and I, I just threw it out there. But I was, you know, it, it was number one. Uh, it was, uh, it trended number one uh, yesterday. It still might be uh, under fun. So she was promoting her album. <laughs> I'm just picturing now Martin Lawrence in the desert. <laughs> Martin Lawrence of Arabia. That's a good one. I mean, it was a, uh, and that's, a lot actually, of people came out, you know, like uh, uh, Fish Cole, Wanda Sykes. It was, uh, there was, there was a bunch of really clever ones, you know? Yeah, that is cool. So what's going on with you? When's you when are you performing? Uh, I'll be in New York next week. I'm gonna pop in one of the one of the, one of the clubs there, and uh, 
I wrote a whole new set, so I want to uh, want to go uh, work it out. One of the clubs there, probably. Nice. Uh, wow, well, I'm drawing a blank on the Gotham. Probably Gotham. Got, yeah, Gotham is a good place. That's where uh, that's right. where I saw you last when you were on uh, the uh, Access TV show Gotham Comedy Live, right? Oh, right. Yeah, the, with uh, with Lewis Black. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great show. Uh, for everybody who doesn't know, uh, Access TV, which was the former home of Fighting Words with Mike Straka. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they have a Gotham comedy live show, and Luca's been on that a few times. And uh, in fact, I produced the uh, opening episode of that show. So yeah, this whole business is very incestuous. You're directing your wife. I produced the first show, Gotham Comedy, with, uh, with Killer Bunny Entertainment and Rob Sia. Uh, and uh, Luca and I used to be in a play together called Tony and Tina's Wedding, which uh, we did many years ago, Luca. We were kids, man. I know. We were fucking two gorgeous kids. Excuse my French. Um, oh. Two gorgeous kids who had the world by the balls. You know what? I wish I could go back to those days, man. Yeah, we had some good I really I'm, do. Remember we go to my mom's house in between shows to go eat? Oh, my God. Sunday dinner. Ike, if you've never had a, a traditional Italian Sunday dinner, Luca's mom. God rest her soul. She made the greatest – we would go between shows. So we had a, a matinee on Sunday, and then we'd go out to Brooklyn, go to Luca's mom's house, and she would make brajol. She would make, like, lasagna or ravioli. And then it wasn't even done yet. Then, then it was like – then she pulled out another meat dish. And then, and, then, and then she gave us all espresso before we left. And I'm like – and I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Is, are you going to eat? And she's like, no, no, no. I'll eat later. I'll eat later. And I couldn't believe it. I, I wish I grew up Italian. No, yeah, we eat good. <laughs> a lot of people think you are, man, with that last I know. name. Hey, Luca, remember you, what you, you used to always say in a show? Hey, Mikey, there's two, there are two types of people in the world. There's Italians and people who wish they were Italian. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how we remember all of these things. But, hey, Ike, we were on a tear, man. When we were in Tony and Tina's wedding, we had this down with science. And we, we would wait for the, the hot girls to leave and – we would watch them from like the, from the, the dressing room and we would wait like five seconds and give them five seconds to get down the stairs and out the door. And then we'd all run out the stage door and act like it was a coincidence that, that we would, and so the girls would be like, hey, you guys were in the show. And we're like, oh yeah. And they're like, wait, what happened to your accents? I'm like, well, we're actors. We don't really talk like that all the time. And they're like, well, what do you guys do now? And there's a bar right next door. We're like, well, we're going to go here for a drink. You want to join us? And it never failed. Remember that, Luca? That was like, that like was shoot. Fun. Smooth criminals. Uh, yeah, don't oh, forget to you know, put the talent aside. We were two gorgeous kids, man. We really were. You know, maybe, yeah, we were. Fucking gorgeous, man. He was just, you know, he was really handsome guy, man. <laughs> and and not just that, but we had like Rob Camaletti, who is Cher's girlfriend. I mean, Cher's boyfriend in the show. We had Tony Miola, the the famous soccer player in the show. So we always had, you know, we always oh, had wow. like stunt casting as well. Where Lee Mazzilli. Lee Mazzilli. That's right. Yeah, wow. Lee Mazzilli. I, you know how many times I signed Lee Mazzilli's name because people would say, you know, people are cool listening. We're like, oh, Lee Mazzilli, you're my favorite. And I would sign Lee Mazzilli's name. I would sign Rob Camaletti's name, Tony Miola's name, whoever they thought I was, I signed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who, who am I? Oh, yeah, Tony Miola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a soccer ball for you. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, I, I was uh, I was down in Little Italy where you know I used to live there for a while. Uh, after I got divorced, I moved down to uh, Grand Street, Grand and uh, and Hester. And uh, well, Motley, uh, uh, Mulberry and Hester. And um, I'm at a restaurant one day and it's, it's, of course, it's the Feast of San Gennaro. So it's freaking mobbed. So I'm sitting yep. by myself at this restaurant right on the corner. And uh, I see this kid and his mother and they're looking at me 
and I could see, I'm like, okay, you know, and I was doing the Spike TV show. I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe they knew me, maybe they're MMA fans. So sure enough, they, they pay their bill and the kid comes walking over to me. I say kid, he's like 24 years old. And he goes, hey, do you mind if I get your autograph? And I'm like, no, sure, no problem. So I sign M. Straka real fast, you know. And he goes, thank you so much, Mr. Stamos. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and yeah. I start laughing. And I go, I go, I'm not John Stamos. He's like, Shh, I won't tell anybody. And he didn't. <laughs> I started laughing. I'm like, I know I'm I'm a halfway decent looking guy, but I'm nowhere near John Stamos good looking. <laughs> I can see you selling yogurt, man. You were a good looking kid. Oh my god, it was so funny. To, remember they used to tell you to save up so you look like a boy. I remember you yes. got that note once. They were like, they, um, and you, I remember you came over to you like, bro, look at this. I'm like, what? And like, you're like, they want me to shave up to get a closer shave so I look more like a boy. I'm like, what the hell kind of note is that? Not like, just that, but I mean, our show was run by, you know, never mind. I don't want to get there. Oh, jeez. Like, our show, I don't give a shit what anybody says. Our show was the most fun and the improvs that we did, I mean, we, we totally went off the script. Uh, you know, like 80% was 10 times funnier than any other show. And I'll go shit what anyone says. Everybody stuck to that so, script and we bent that script and, and oh my God. So much. Oh my God. Remember what's his name? John, oh, I forget his name. He played the best. Oh, yeah, John, I, yeah, yeah, John. He played, the, he played Barry, the best man and drug dealer. He was, John Walter. He was the, John, John Walter. Walter's one of the funniest guys, man. He would come up with stupid. I remember it with the Hormel. Y'all go get the Hormel. He was, he was, he was <laughs> that kid. He would come in, Kevin. Kevin would come into the dressing room. Go, I remember he had his monologue. He would come in and go, I rock, I rock. Oh my God, I did so well. Uh, meanwhile, I slapped the, tap, the tampon on his back before he went out. <laughs> he thought he did genius. Oh, he was funny Dude, too. Re well. re remember when Vito Antifermo, the boxer, was in the show? And I get it. You remember Vito at the Fermo? He was, he was a really great boxer. He played, he played our father in the show briefly. And, but he had a, he had one foot that was a, I guess you'd call it a, a deformed foot. So he had a special shoe made. So one of the guys in the cast would always steal. It was stuttering John. Stuttering John would steal oh, his Kevin, shoe. Kevin stole it. It was Kevin. Oh, Kevin stole. Yeah. Kevin and, stole and, then, and then Vito punched him. Damn. In the dressing room. He thought it was me first. Remember, he fucking chased me. I was running. Yeah. I was in my underwear, and he was chasing me in the village. You know, I was running around a car, and I didn't think he could catch me, but he was. Oh, bad. shit. He wasn't joking. Holy yeah, Vito was. But he was, he was pissed, man. Boy, was he pissed. Oh, my. One of my favorite improvs, though. Remember uh, uh, Tina's mother, Mrs. Vitale? Now, I, she was played by this very large Italian lady. At least that's what she was playing in, in, the, in the character. And she's walking down the street. Now, the, the audience interacts with the, the cast members. So they go from the church to the reception hall. So we literally walk down 7th Avenue, walk down, uh, you know, into the village, into the restaurant. So we're walking down the street and this fire trucks come by and the fire trucks got its lights on, but it stops because there's like a hundred people walking across the street. So Mrs. Vitale goes, hi boys. And they all start waving. And I go, Hey, Mrs. Vitale, I always said your face could stop a truck. And the whole, <laughs> I had to, there were a hundred people rolling on this. Even the firefighters were laughing. And she chased me like she, and she was great. She was a great, like great improv actress. And she goes, Johnny, my, my character was Johnny. She'd like Johnny. She chased me into the restaurant. It was hilarious. And we, we got in there privately. We were like laughing hysterically to ourselves. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we had such great fun doing oh, that show, Luca. God. I mean, Everybody, look at us. The I mean, cast we had too. Justine was great. 
Yeah. Uh, Justine, one day she came out with this. Uh, there was, we used to walk, walk to the church, and there, there was a homeless guy. He always used to go, Tony, Tony, let me get, please. He goes, I got to get a sandwich, let me get some money. And I would always throw the guy money, right? But but this one time, I was, just, I was you know, we were going to church, and he was asking me for money. It was a bunch of people that I had no cash on, literally had no cash. I'm like, oh, fuck, I got no money. So the guy's like, come on, man, I want to get a sandwich, I want to get a sandwich. And then I was like, yo, bro, I said, if you're honest with me and tell me you were going to get a beer, I'd give you the money. I said, but you're going to lie to me. I'm not giving you anything. And I left. And I went to the church, and then I felt bad. So I, I, somebody gave me 20 bucks. So they gave me 20 bucks. I said, give it to you. We're going to get back to the dressing room. As we were walking back, could, the guy comes in. He's like, Tony, Tony, can, can I get uh, $5 for a sandwich uh, for a beer? You know, I'm like, what? He goes, can I get, he told me to be honest, if I get $5 with a beer. So I have the 20 in my pocket, I'm about to give it to him. And Justine grabs it, goes, wait a second. She goes, how do we know you're not going to go get a sandwich with that money? She goes, don't give it to him. <laughs> oh, it was genius, man. It really was. It was <laughs> oh, man, so much content. fun. So much fun. We're going to have to talk a lot longer, man. This just flowed. This was like a couple of uh, two guy, uh, three guys on the stoop just uh, – Reflect that. I feel like I was just in a nostalgia time machine with you guys. Wait, who do, now who's on the line with us here? I, I, I knew there was somebody on the line, but who, uh, who is it? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, nobody. Nobody special. Oh, no, come on. <laughs> who else is? No, somebody else <laughs> is on the line. Oh, oh, we got a, we got a yeah. fourth no, 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 guy. Third yeah, guy. Him... Who's the third guy? I don't know who the third guy is. Oh, that's Ike. Ike Feldman. This is Ike, and then we have, a, we have another Mike. So there's two Mikes. There's a Luca and an Ike right now. <laughs> Hey, Luca, stay on with us. Stay on with us, Luca. I ain't hey, going nowhere. Go ahead. Mad Lab's up. Is Mad Lab on the line? I don't know who's Mad Lab. What's up, Mike. guys? How are you? Hey, what's, what's up? up? What's up, brother? What's up, Mad Lab? Hey, so uh, this is MMA Maverick Show. We're being joined by Mad Lab uh, from the uh, uh, HQ, Elite HQ from Fantasy. What's going on, man? No, man. How you guys doing? All right. Good. You can hear the protein in your voice, man. How big are you? Seriously, like, how much do you weigh? We see in the Twitter profile, looks like you just you eat whole cows for breakfast. Yeah, I eat them raw. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Hey, I got a, I got a message for you, Mike. Um, I'm a very dear friend of Michael Costantino, and he says hello. Oh, tell him I say hello back. I haven't seen Costantino. Oh, I know Mike. Tell him I said hello too. You know Mike Costantino? We will. Oh, that's right. Sure. You, you do know Mike Costantino, Luca. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantino, I, I swear to God, one day we were in L.A. at the Staples Center, and we went across the street to Hooters after the uh, we had a Friday weigh-ins for UFC fight, and freaking Bieber's dad was there, and like Gil Melendez was was messing around, and Gil Melendez punched me in his stomach, right? And it's on video, and I'm like, and he, you know, he gives me a shot. I'm like, come on, Gil, give me a real shot. So he nails me. I'm like, oh. So Constantino walks over. He goes, hey, Mike, and he leg kicks me. And I've and it was barely he barely touched me. It would, but he I have not been hit that hard in the leg ever. I mean, even in Muay Thai I'll workouts. Tell you, the funny thing about that is he sent me the picture. He showed me that picture. Oh, of him kicking my leg. Yeah, of him kicking your leg. Yep, he told me the whole story. That was the story he told me. Oh yeah, he's Mike's a great guy. Man. And then later on that night, the stupid Justin Bieber's dad. He drives into Hooters. Right, this is downtown LA. Drives into Hooters with like a three hundred thousand dollar Phantom. And he parks it and then walks in and starts a fight with somebody. And we're all like, what kind of an idiot are you, man? Like, you must be the biggest moron. First of all, this place is filled with UFC fighters. Second of all, you're at Hooters downtown LA. You, you really drive a fucking $300,000 car here? What's the matter with you? Anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, he told me a couple stories about you guys. He told you about the time you guys went with someone, someone else, one of your other buddies. He started playing the drums in the place. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, Russ. That was funny. That was a great. That was a great night, man. We have, we have. Yeah, he's a good dude. So that's a lot. Yeah, he's somebody that I I miss. Like you know, we used to go to. I used to go to every single UFC fight, and uh, he was always there because you know he managed a, a number of people, the, the Miller brothers especially. But uh, Mike was always like I used to call him my my work wife. They were like or my work husband, whatever you want to call it, because uh, you know I only, we would hang out at the fights. It was always me and Sean Tompkins and Mike Constantino. We were like the three musketeers. Uh, Sean Tompkins, God rest his soul, he, he died a couple years ago, but uh, we had such great times, great memories, man. So, yeah, so, so tell us about you, Mad Lab. I mean, uh, tell us about what you're doing these days. Yeah, so we got a, we started a company a couple of years ago, uh, EliteFantasy.com, EliteSportsBetting.com. And basically what we do is we're in the wheelhouse of fantasy sports and obviously handicapping. The fantasy side of it, we, have, we cover every single sport. We cover combat sports, football, basketball, NASCAR, golf, you name it, we cover it. We have content writers, you know, for pretty much everything. So we do it pretty much in the wheelhouse on the fantasy side of DraftKings, and FanDuel, where we, we, we do the analytics on it and we set your lineups. If you, anyone's, if you're interested in fantasy sports or you understand it, you know, you got to fit lineups into the salary caps. Certain players, certain fighters have a different salary range. So you got to kind of build lineups that way. Then we also have elite uh, sports betting, which is pretty much all handicaps. We write full blown articles on all sports. And, um, you know, we make our picks, we look at the lines and, and we, you know, adjust it that way. So, I mean, very, very big following. Good, you know, uh, obviously you guys know the fantasy industry is a multi-billion dollar business. Uh, and my end of it is the combat sports end of it. So I take care of all the boxing, all the MMA, um, and I do all the, you know, the content around that. So how do I pronounce your name? Is it Lorado or Laredo? <laughs> Irado. It's with an I. A lot of people think that I is an L, but it's really an I. So, so are you, hey, Luca, you guys didn't meet yet. Luca Polanca, Michael Irado. Are you, are you a fellow Italian? Absolutely, man. I'm from Jersey, Patterson, New Jersey. You know, <laughs> nice. What part of Italy? What's that? Uh, Naples, Naples, and uh, Nabucan, Sicilian. Nice. So we got the real. Hey, Luca, have, how much? What's the most money you lost on a fight? Are you a fight fan? Uh, thousand bucks. Okay, what fight? What fight? Um, you really deleted it. I lost on the girl. What's that? You don't remember? Listen. The girl. No, no, I remember. It was the girl. I'm trying to remember her Ronda, name. Was Ronda, Ronda, Ronda. Yeah. Ronda Rousey. Fucking Rogan was hyping her up like she was the next next best thing. And I was like, you know what? Joe, Joe's pretty smart on this shit. I fucking bet on it. She got her ass kicked. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, a, that was an unfortunate night for Ronda. That's probably – it was probably the Holly Holm fight. But, Mike, I want to ask you a question now. Uh, have you, do people call you and ask for, obviously they call you and ask for your, for your, uh, your picks, but I've had a situation where one of my friends calls me up and he's like, Mike, you got to give me the, who's going to win this card. So I went down the whole card and gave him my picks. Every one of my picks lost. And I, <laughs> and, I and, and I'm a seriously like informed MMA observer and every one of my picks lost. And my friend, he must've called me every day for a week how, I, how could this happen? Like, he thought I set him up. He's like, how could this happen? And I'm like, dude. I, so you fucking like me, Mike. Yeah, and he's like, he wouldn't stop. I would have flipped it. You should have said, I said, don't bet. <laughs> Let me tell you. Like, I was in L.A., right? Like, I was in L.A., and this fucking guy was like, 
trying to cut me off. We have weird, you know, traffic thing. This guy tried to cut me off, tried to jump in front of me. Anyway, make a long story short, he starts chasing me. I'm like, look at this fucking guy. Now I'm pissed. I'm like, I want to fucking knock this guy out, right? So I fucking pull over the fucking car. The guy gets out of the car. He comes over to the passenger side. And he's, you know, and I roll my window. I go, what the fuck is your problem? You know, we're going, we're going back and forth. And the guy is like, why don't you just step out of the car? We'll see how strong you are, you know? And I'm looking at this guy, and he's got one of those fucking cauliflower ears. I'm like, oh, fuck, this MMA guy is going to fucking kick my ass, you know? So I make believe I'm, like, reaching for, like, a gun or a fucking bat in my backseat, thinking it's going to make him get nervous or whatever. And it does it, and I grab it, and it's a fucking water gun that we were fucking around with, like, two days prior, right? So I just squirted him with the water gun and just fucking drove up. He started chasing me, this fucking guy. But I, he had to be one of the fucking Gracies or one of these fucking – I don't know who he was, but – if I saw him again, I'd know who he was, but he definitely was an MMA guy. He probably would have fucking kicked my ass, but I got the last laugh. Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky you had a drive-by. <laughs> yeah. That's that's interesting. Uh, anyhow, we're being joined by Luca Palanca, comedian, Mike Arado from the from the Elite Fantasy. Elite Fantasy.com. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, you must have got a lot of uh, uh, feedback uh, from, from UFC 248, Mike. What, what, what did you think of that main event? I mean, the main event, I, honestly, I was completely frustrated by because if you, if you really watch it, I mean, first of all, it's a tough act to follow when you're coming, you know, from JJ and Zhang. But, you know, it was just frustrating to me because if you really look at the, uh, if you look at, you know, Adesanya, I mean, the, the guy seems to be like a striking dynamo. He seems to have, you know, he's got the range, he's long, he's rangy, he's quick, he's creative, but we've never really seen his wrestling tested. You know, and if you really go down his res- his resume, I mean, he's fought, you know, Kelvin Gastelum in a, in a five-round decision war. Brunson, who's a decent wrestler, but he got knocked out in the first round. He didn't have, he didn't have a chance to get off. You have Tavares, who's a striker. And then he fought Marvin Vittori, the guy from Italy, who's really not a great wrestler, but they went to a split decision because he had a very good pass. He had a very good blueprint. You know, he pushed forward. He was kind of the bully. He was trying to wrestle him. And he really gave him a really, really tough fight. So you would think a guy like Romero coming from the wrestling pedigree that he comes from, uh, you know, he was going to implore that. But for some reason, some of these fighters, sometimes they take that ace of spades out of their pocket that's got them there and they completely abandon it. You know, so I was just really frustrated by it because I really believe he did have a clear path to victory there. Even though he's 42, I believe he's the more explosive fighter. He's the stronger fighter. Uh, and I, I thought if he did implore his wrestling, he'd really be able to do something with it, especially coming off a two-fight losing streak. This is the, they really didn't even deserve the shot. You know, this is the last shot you're really getting at 42 at a title shot. And he completely, completely blew it. I mean, I think Adesanya threw 48 significant strikes and, and, and Romero threw, threw 40 in 25 minutes. I mean, you got JJ and, and Zhang who threw 186 and, six, and 165. I mean, it, it, to me, it was kind of an embarrassing fight to watch. Dude, 100%. And the whole notion that the, the challenger needs to chase for the title, I'm... I believe that because Yoel, the first two minutes, he was just hovering there. And the end of the fight, he doesn't gas himself out. This guy's a silver medalist in the 2000 Olympics for wrestling, and he doesn't incorporate his wrestling. You see when he kind of plays the game when he got the eye poke and then he, like, does the 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 spear, uh, the Goldberg spear and trying to jump at uh, Adesanya. That, that, was a, that was a bad attempt. And uh, with the co-main event, man, it was just – it made it look even worse. And – Luca, if you didn't see the co-main event between Weili Zhang or Joanna Young Jacek, a Chinese fighter versus a Polish fighter, dude, this is the greatest women's fight of uh, the century. I mean, really, I, I did not, I did not see it. 
Check it yeah, out, brother. It's, it's definitely it's a fight. I'll get it on YouTube tonight. <laughs> she didn't even look. She didn't even look like the same human. I mean, after that fight, she really. She looked like she looked like a Klingon from from Star Trek. I know that, that was that was that was very so, hard. So who to watch. won the fight? The Chinese girl won. Yeah. I mean, I personally had I, I personally had JJ winning the fight. I mean, you know, after watching it, but I wouldn't split hairs on it. I think it deserved to be a draw. You know what I mean? Does that mean but, you bet that, JJ going into it? <laughs> I, I I picked her going into it just for the mere fact that, like, even with Zhang, if you look at her resume, I mean, look who she's fought. She's fought Danielle Taylor, very very undersized. Jessica Aguilar, who's kind of over the hill. Uh, Tisha Torres, who's you know she's a sharp striker, but she's a natural atom weight. Jessica Andrade, who is is very very you know she's a great fighter, but she presents a style that suits Zhang very well. She's going to sit in a pocket with her. She's going to slug with her. She's never yep. faced anybody like JJ. She you know JJ knows how to bait traps, create angles, very very rangy. You know what I mean? Good volume. So I figured she'd be able to create some angles, get in, score, and get out. And that's kind of what she did. But a lot of people were shitting on her because they thought you know maybe her chin was dusted or you know she's on this she's got a couple uh, losses under her belt with confidence isn't there so i thought she did exactly what i was expecting her to do but at the end of the day i mean if you look at it she landed the more strikes but i just think you know after when you look at damage i mean the judges are sitting there they're looking at damage it's a tough fight to split hairs with but you know i think it's probably at the very worst deserved to draw but like i said you can't even argue it i mean if you sat down for those 25 minutes and watched that fight you got the treat yeah, it was definitely a treat, and and unfortunately, the main event following that, as you said, it was tough. It was a tough act to follow, and um, you know, we talked earlier with Michael Stetz, uh, Mike, that I, I try to I try to like bring it, bring people into my MMA world and my MMA bubble, and when I try to convert people who aren't fans, and I say, man, wait till you see Yoel Romero versus Izzy. It's going to be one of the greatest fights ever, or wait till you see you know Joanna fight. And Zhang, and then you know, Joanna ends up looking like a Klingon, like you said. And then the main event was a total dud. And I get all of these people, like you know, forty-five, fifty-year-old guys, looking at me like, "I want my money back, dude. I don't want to like. You know, I hate to be an asshole about this, but that that sucked, you know. And and it, it's happened to me numerous amounts of times when I'm hyping up a fight, try to bring people in, and, because people always say, "What you know? What's with that MMA stuff you watch all the time?" Or they say, "What's with that UFC stuff you watch all the time?" And I have to bring them in, and then I, I get disappointed, you know, when when something like that happens. Especially, I hate to say it, you know, when Joanna looks like a Klingon, it, it's just it's hard to watch, man. And yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, with the with the Yoel fight, though, I got to be honest with you, that fight, I, I kind of I didn't think it was going to be like that. But if you really look at the the, the matchup. I mean, you are Romero who kind of lulls you into a fight. That's his game plan all the time. He plays like his own form of rope of dope. He kind of lulls you into the fight. Yep. He plays Matador, and then he kind of just explodes on you for a 10-second, 15-second burst, and then he kind of buckles back, and he gets his blanket again, and he starts playing Matador. And Adesanya is a very, very, you know, well-bred counter-striker. So you got kind of a counter-striker that's waiting for – and Yoel Romero who's waiting for the guy to kind of pursue him. It, it, I had a feeling it was going to be slow, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. I mean, that, that, was, that, was, that was just ridiculous. That reminded me of uh, Derek Lewis and Francis Ngannou about a year or two ago. You remember that fight where they just basically sat there and threw like three punches? UFC 226, man. That was, that was one of the most boring fights I've ever seen. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and no one expected that. You know, we all expected two guys with really no grappling ability just heavy hands to sit in the center of the cage and see who goes and they they really did nothing so well, remember i want to see i want to see the diaz brothers in there again man i'm sorry i, I love let's to watch go guys, man. bravo yeah, to that, diaz, man. Man. 
Nick yeah, Diaz it's, it's, so, it's so Nick fucked Diaz up that they don't time. fucking those guys will fucking break fucking you know pay per view records. They will. They they're just so likable. Everything about those kids are fucking great. I love them. You know. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to see more people. of that. Fucking Dana better get off his ass and fuck, you know, try to find those kids again or do something. <laughs> well, Nick's doing his own thing. Who knows? He's the kids like on social media all the time. And I always said, if that kid had his head on straight, Nick, he he would be one of the you know better pound for pound guys out there. He just he yeah. would, he comes in comes into the spotlight, he leaves. Comes into the spotlight, he leaves. But I mean, it's amazing the way these guys do what they do and yet they're still doing they're still triathletes they're still i mean the guy's conditioning is crazy uh and he's not really they're not really super super coordinated i mean if you really look at them they're not super coordinated guys but they're just so creative on the ground and even yeah, but those are the, the, the uncoordinated guys are the ones that usually do better you know they really yeah, do yeah yeah i'm the with luke who are trim and in shape i mean you know they, they fall like fucking paper if they get hit you know <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. Those, those are the ones that fucking, you know, even if they get, they, if they go down, they come right back up again. And it's just, you know, and their, their angles, their, 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 their throwing angles are just fucking, you know, they're just amazing. You know, they throw punches they, you know, from, they, from weird, weird stances, they, they, you know? They have fighters' bodies, man. I always said that, like, there's, there's certain guys with fighters' bodies. They got fighters, like Muhammad Ali had a fighter's body. Very smooth, not too muscular. You know, and when you get these guys like like McGregor and, and some of these guys that are really, really muscled up, they get heavy lactic acid buildup, you know, in their joints and their muscles where yep, they yep. can't stay loose the entire fight. You know, so you got guys like Nate Diaz and Nick Diaz who, when you look at them, they're very unbecoming. You know, you don't look at them like that, but if unless you know who they are, but they, they just, they're always very loose. That's why they win their fights. They'll knock you out. They don't have a lot of power, but they do it on box. It's all that marijuana, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you bring up lactic acid, Mike, and, and I remember George St. Pierre fought Tiago Alves, uh, I think it was UFC 100, and I interviewed George after the fight, and I said, you know, what was your strategy? He goes, well, my strategy was to really put a lot of weight on his shoulders because he's very explosive with his hands, and he goes, I wanted to build up the lactic acid in his shoulders so he couldn't have that explosiveness anymore, and like, I just thought, and this was back before, like, fighters were really scientific, this is back UFC 100. And I just thought it was such a smart way to go about a fight. Um, you know, you're a bodybuilder. You're a big guy. Like, what what exactly does lactic acid do in, in those joints? So it's, it's basically, you know, it's if you ever take a – I mean, if you take somebody and you put boxing gloves on their hands, and we used to do this all the time when I used to train, you used to put the boxing gloves on your hand and, and somebody would sit there and just put light pressure on, on the gloves – while you have your, your arms out at like a 90 degree angle. And for the first 30 seconds, you're kind of laughing. You're like, this is ridiculous. I can hold my hands out like this forever. You know, then after the time starts building up, you start feeling your shoulders getting tight. You start feeling like a very burn. It's almost like the ATP level in your body starts to drop. And when your ATP level drops, you need, you need, a, you need a, recoup, a, a recovery period to let the ATP come up again. So it's basically what happens is once the lactic acid starts building up, it almost feels like there's a crystallization you know, in your muscles and your joints where you got to, you'll see them starting to shake their arms out. That's why in between rounds, sometimes I'll really look, they'll, they'll be massaging their legs. I mean, sometimes it's due to leg kicks when you're finally fighting a guy like Barboza or something like that, when he's just completely attacking your legs. But a lot of times they're doing that to shake the lactic acid out because it's, it's like just serious, serious muscle fatigue. And it feels like somebody's lighting a match inside your joints and inside your, your muscles and your muscles need oxygen. So the bigger your muscles are, the more oxygen 
it, uh, it, it requires, and that's another reason why you get the burn, you get the, you get your conditioning, is, you know, starts faltering. So believe it or not, the smoother your body, well, you don't want to be out of shape, but the smoother your body in fighting, sometimes the better off you are with flexibility, with conditioning, with your lactic acid buildup. It's, uh, it, it's kind of the reverse effect that you would think visually, you know? Luca, have you trained any combat sports? Maybe jujitsu or boxing? Uh, I mean, we, no, bo- yeah, boxing. Growing up, I, I, I was always in the gym with nice, boxing. Nice. How, how much did you do any like gym smokers where they shut it down on a Friday or Saturday night and they just you're facing off against like somebody out no. of town? No, he no. fought against he fought he fought against Vito Antifermo <laughs> in his underwear in the village. Yeah. Now, believe it or not, in my neighborhood, we would we would you know we put on gloves and fucking you know fight each other. You know, same shit, man. Uh, and, you promote you know. the fight at lunchtime, yeah. and then after school, you go to somebody's backyard. Yeah, I did the same thing. Yeah. They grill up and, a couple hot dogs. Like like uh, my brother Johnny, my older brother was like the toughest kid in the neighborhood. He really was. Uh, and guys from other neighborhoods would come, just ring the bell and say, "Hey, I want to fight you." You know what I mean? I heard you were a tough guy. Let's let's do it. And my brother would fucking knock him out. <laughs> I oh, swear shit. to God, man. So you were the pretty theater kid. He was the tough guy. John, my brother Johnny was the, probably one of the toughest guys I ever met. I, I, I honestly, uh, the Duva Duvas wanted to sign him to fight Tyson back in the day. You know, my brother was like, he wasn't into boxing Come or nothing on. like that. He was just, a, I swear to Christ, that's the God's honest truth. They wanted to prep him white. You know, he was a white guy. He was tough. He was from Brooklyn. They, he was the perfect guy to fight Tyson. I swear to you. And my brother turned it down, and not because he Smart was afraid. Didn't want it. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know, man. My brother was the fucking. I see him in situations where I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna get killed, you know. And he always came out on top, always. You know, he really I, was. He a bigger gentleman? He was a little. He was like, uh, he's like six one, maybe you know, two hundred twenty pounds. But he was fucking the fucking oh, tough shit. son of a bitch, bro. He really was, you know. And not because he was my brother, but he really was. And you know, you ask anybody in the neighborhood, they'll tell you he was a tough son of a bitch, you know. Yep. I, he really was. He was a tough son of a bitch. You know, he missed out on a big payday then. Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> he did because his, one of his he best friends married Lou Duva's daughter. So they were like, Johnny, you got to do this. I'm telling you, you're going to make a fucking fortune, but win or lose. You know what I mean? And my brother was like, nah, I'm not doing that. You know, he's like, oh, I don't want to box. What, what about <laughs> you, know? Mike? I do you, uh, any combat sports training? Obviously, you put on the gloves like for your drills. Yeah, but... yeah. I, I actually start. I started in boxing, nice. man. I, my, my, my father was real big into boxing, and uh, he actually was a he's a printer. And back in the day, when he started his business, my parents got divorced. He started his business out of his basement. So when he would pick me up on the weekends, he would go downstairs and print, and I didn't want to sit down and watch him print. So he had a room called the boxing room. And it was basically just like a, just a litany of old fights and stuff like that. So I literally used to go and I used to just watch, you know, all the fights on TV and stuff, stuff like that. And he used to take me to the gym. So then I started training in boxing. And then after a while, when, you know, jiu-jitsu came to fruition, you know, and I started really getting a taste of that, I started training no gi. Um, I started in East Hanover. Then I started training with this guy, Phil, Phil Dunlap. So, yeah, I've been training for, for, for a while. I mean, now that I'm getting older, you know, I'm 43, I don't train as much as I as I'd like to, but, you know, between, you know, sports my whole life and training jujitsu and boxing and stuff like that, my, my fucking joints are, they're like, they're like creaky doors right now, you know? So 
I don't get as much as I like to win anymore, but I'm, you know, I'm still doing it, still pushing it. I mean, Mike's still going at his yeah, age. Yeah, we're man. all like that. I mean, even Mike will train, he'll drink, he'll wake up the next day, he's punching, and then he's throwing up in uh, kitty litter boxes. <laughs> yeah, that was that was me. That was me last week. I, you know, I'm, hey, I'm 50 years old now, but I, I can't. I don't work out traditionally. I, I just go do Muay Thai workouts because I get it's the best. To me, it's the best core workout. It's the best cardio workout, and it doesn't feel like you're working out. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't feel like you're you know doing something that's going to benefit you it's, it's more fun but yeah i was uh i was out drinking the night before and i just i did a couple uppercuts like maybe i did like 10 uppercuts in a row and suddenly i just yeah i just <laughs> i just bent over and heaved thank god there was a litter box in the basement i i heaved in some some poor cat's litter box but yeah you know you got to do it man and i actually felt a lot better after that i went for another 45 minutes after oh, I, man, I heaved. my man <laughs> But yeah, but bro, I was... fucking, I'm old now, bro. Fucking, I, I ripped my fucking shoulder, fucking turning a deadbolt. I was like, you know, turning a deadbolt. Get your wife to turn the deadbolt for you. She's probably in better shape. I know. <laughs> yeah, you ain't kidding. She trained what? my wife. She she trained with uh, on the past. I know. Uh, we heard. We yeah. heard. Well, Mike Arato from Arato from the EliteFantasy.com, uh, and uh, he's he's Mad Lab MMA on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you've gotten in your 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 fair share of street fights. Uh, do you remember any uh, any beatdowns that you can that you can legally talk about? <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, a buddy of mine actually. Now this was probably got just two years ago. It was probably the last street fight I got into. A buddy of mine went to a bar here in Jersey and. Uh, we went out, we were leaving. I mean, we literally went there for a steak. We got a steak. We watched some of the games. We were leaving. And there was this guy standing outside <clears throat> and he just goes up to my friend. He asked him for a cigarette. So he goes, you know, uh, yeah, he gives him one. And the guy says his name. He goes, are you so-and-so? And he's like, yeah, why? And he called, he just, at the clear blue sky, you could see the guy was on coke. He was on something. He's like, you're a piece of shit. This and that, blah, blah, blah. And it's actually a guy I work with. And, um, so I told my uh, my buddy, I said, do me a favor. And, you know, he's really not a fighter. I said, go get your car. You just go around and get your car. And he's like, don't tell him what to do. I was like, bro, I told him it was my brother. I was my brother. And there was a picnic table outside. And uh, the guy was a pretty big dude. He was like a shorter, stocky guy. But you could see he was completely whacked out of his mind. I saw his, his, his pupils dilated. But I knew right away the guy couldn't fight just the way he was standing. He was standing front up with me. He wasn't turned to the side. Like, he was not fight ready. So, I knew basically you're just fighting a guy in Coke at this point, you know, so <laughs> Charlie, Sheen. Uh, my friend goes, <laughs> the best fight, the drunk and the fucking cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just look at you as soon as you're squaring up with me. I mean, if you're face to face with me and you're basically telling me do something, do something, you don't want to fight. So, you know, you give him a couple warnings and then some little kid, the kid was probably like 22 years old, came running out of the darkness and he just blindsides my friend. And then all just hell broke loose. And I grabbed this guy and I, pretty much choked him on top of choked him out on top of a picnic table that was outside of the place. Oh shit. And just rolled them off me. That was, yeah, that was pretty much it. That was the last one I got into. That was, uh, yeah, that was kind of about two years ago. You know what? The, it, I love rear naked chokes on, on uh, people who don't know how to fight because they don't know what's hitting them. Oh, they're the best. They don't know what's hitting them. They don't... I did one on New Year's Eve. I did one on New Year's Eve about six years ago at the W hotel in Hoboken. Uh, I, I, a guy, um, had this uh, which, which which by the way which by the way is where caitlin chukagian is a bartender upstairs really yeah she's <laughs> she and and uh, jennifer lopez another local fighter she's a ring of combat fighter and cffc fighter she uh, she and caitlin are, are both bartenders i was at the w on new year's eve myself and uh, i go up there 
and I, I order two drinks and I put a hundred dollar bill on a table and, and uh, Caitlin's like, Hey Mike, what's up? I'm like, Hey, what's up blonde fighter? How you doing? And this was when she was training with Jamal Patterson all the time and Jamal wouldn't let her go pro. And then suddenly now she's pro and she's doing great. Anyhow, uh, keep going on, on your W story. Yeah, no. So we basically what happened was the guy had like a fedora on his head and um, he said something to me. Uh, my buddy said something like nice fedora. And uh, the guy thought <laughs> That's I a good it. friend of like, yours, Mike. Yeah, yeah. He, he thought I said it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I didn't even fucking realize you were wearing a fucking fedora. And he pointed <laughs> his finger in my face. And as soon as you come into that, 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 you know, Mike, you come into that space, like you just don't come into that striking zone space. So I, pretty, I just like kind of, I kind of like speared him through a, uh, through a, what is it called? Through a, one of those bellhop things that they carry your, your luggage with. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. And we just, we just hit the ground and we got up and like an idiot. I don't know what I, I must've thought I was in the gym. I, I pulled guard on him, took his back. And I just pretty much, I was like talking to him as I was choking. I'm like telling him like, relax. He wouldn't relax. So I just kind of just put him to sleep and rolled him over and got up. And that was it. That's great. I had this fight with this, uh, my, my, my parents owned the, uh, the, the restaurant, uh, the, uh, Mike in, uh, in yeah, Brooklyn. Um, there was a, there was a, it was, I forgot my brother was working there and I just happened to pop in that night. I grabbed a slice or whatever. And there was this fucking Mexican guy. He must've been about maybe five, four, five, five, little short, little, little Mexican guy. Some, right? some of us could be taller uh, than that. Yeah. <laughs> completely drunk. You sure he wasn't, you sure he wasn't Chilean? Drunk. You sure he wasn't Chilean? No, he was, no, he was definitely Mexican. Uh, he had the shirt. <laughs> Could have been Ecuadorian. Yeah. One of those. Uh, so <laughs> this fucking guy over. <laughs> you see where you started, Luke? Hey, I didn't start anything. I'm just, I'm just going, I'm going with the flow. So, so this fucking guy, uh, I forgot what he did. He did something really stupid, like knocked over shit and fucking, you know. And I, all I did was, I said, let me just escort this guy outside, right? So I tried to just escort him out. The fucking guy clocks me, right? I'm like this motherfucking, <laughs> and I know I'm gonna destroy this guy. He's fucking five four. He's fucking, you know, maybe 120 pounds with two bricks in his hand, you know. And I'm like, all right. Oh, now he's a bricklayer. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. So fucking, uh, I says, I'm just going to knock this guy out. You know what I mean? So I fucking, you know, perfect, pull back, nice, beautiful shot. He's drunk, his hands are down, boom. I hit him, right? Goes right to the floor, right? So I walk inside the fucking thing. This fucking guy gets back up again. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, you know? So he gets back up. He wants to fight again. I go back outside. I knock him out again, you know? Dude, he's Mexican. You can't kill him. Exactly. I, bro, listen to me. I, I, I'm not kidding you. I dropped this guy at least four or five times. And the Shut guy the fuck up. I swear to you. I was so fucking tired from knocking him out. It's like I was out of breath. I was like, you know what I mean? I just did my one. I actually called the cops. I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not fucking fighting this guy. I actually called the fucking cops and had him locked up. Yeah, that's great. Well, always always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Dude, he was playing possum for you. Always a pleasure, man. Oh, great stuff, guys. And then, ironically, the guy showed up the next day and apologized and whatever. You know. Well, Luca, you got you got to work on your you got to work on your cross power, dude. No, you ain't kidding. All right. No, I got a nice shot, man. That 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 saved me a lot. You know. That Mexican pride, you know, man. They don't. They they. That's they right, bro. That's right. Fight. Well, bro, it got I got it got scary. At, you know, by the by the fourth time I knocked him out, and he got back up again. Yeah, I'm getting scared. I'm like this fucking, fucking guy, Mexican, man. Holy well, shit! The fucking Terminator. <laughs> Well, speak, speaking of speaking of Mexicans, yeah. a blast from the past fight. I'm sure, uh, Mike, you remember this fight. Uh, Roger Huerta versus uh, uh, who did he fight? Um, it was Roger Huerta. Was it Diego? Uh, 
No, no, no. It was before Diego. Who who is uh, Cowboy Cerrone's good friend? I'm drawing a blank oh, right now. Oh, um, uh, is it Eduardo? No, 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 no. Close though. Efren, 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 afraid. No, yeah, Efren. Yeah, no, no, no. It wasn't Efren. Oh, drawing a blank. Oh, it doesn't matter anymore. In one ear and out the other. Anyhow, that was a great fight. That that fight is actually what put Roger Huerta uh, on the cover of Sports Illustrated. He was the first UFC fighter to ever be on a cover of, of Sports Illustrated magazine. That was back in like. 2006 i think it was a long time ago i i roger Huerta was a great fighter mexican pride yeah mexican he was pride. very underrated yep. all right guys let's wrap it up uh always great to talk to you luca palanca comedian extraordinaire and of course mad lab from elitefantasy.com uh mad lab we got to have you on way more often like uh, your next the next pay-per-view event let's i want we want to get you on you could like give us your picks and then i can tell all my friends yeah, man, I'd, I'd love to love to come on. We have a special. Mike, guys. send me the link. Put the link on Twitter so I could grab I could grab that uh, that site. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, absolutely will. Yeah, yeah. we we have a promo this week too with, uh, at elitesportsbetting.com. You just type in elitesportsbetting.com slash free week. You go there and you could choose your option on either one of our platforms. If you're interested in fantasy or you're interested in the handicapping end of it, just go in and type promo code lab l a d. And you guys, uh, right. you guys can have a free Leonard week. Garcia. Leonard That's it. Garcia. Yeah. That's it. That's right. That's the guy that uh, Luca was fighting. <laughs> <laughs> is, is he five four? Yeah, he's about. No, he's about five. No, he's about five six. <laughs> you fought his big cousin. There you All go. right, guys. Well, uh, awesome. All show. right, guys. It was a pleasure, man. Enjoy. Be safe. Wear your mask. Don't shake anybody's hands. Let's panic over this fucking virus, whatever the fuck they are. I don't know what to believe. All right. All right, Luca. Always a pleasure, brother. All right. You got it, guys. Take care. Later, brother. All right, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, It's great, man. Our pleasure, and we can't wait to have you on again, man. Yeah, I'd love to have you on my show one day, too, guys. Definitely one one, uh, at the the War Lab on iTunes. Sounds great. All right, guys. Take care now. Later, Mike. Enjoy. This is the Believe in MMA Mavericks podcast. Uh, Ike, another great show in the books. Uh, a little, a little, uh, a little. We went a little all over the place here, but you know, I think it wouldn't be Mavericks without it. No, we uh, we definitely weren't flying in. Uh, what was it? Safe airspace. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, have have fun uh, editing that one. <laughs> Oh man, we were trying to like in in this 2020 age, we were trying to steer uh, Luca a little clear of just labeling the guys Mexican. Hey, you know it could have been, but uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was great. You're like, you sure he wasn't Chilean? <laughs> oh. oh man! All right, brother. Let's uh, let's. I'll, I'll, Dude, I will uh, great, catch catch you next time. Great man. fights this uh, weekend in Brazil. Kevin Lee, man, facing Charles Oliveira, uh, the all-time UFC yeah. submission leader. Who do you think is gonna win that real quick, or who do you got in that? Uh, this is. Uh, uh, it's it's in Brazil. I'm gonna have to go with Oliveira. I think Kevin Lee's on a mission back for that title, so we'll uh, we'll have to tune in and see. All right. Well, until next time, enjoy the Brazil fights. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.